0: Welcome to the Morgan Stanley Ideas Podcast. I'm Ashley milne Today on the show, what happens to your digital life after you die? We're getting a little existential on the show this week. We're going to be talking about death, but an aspect of dying that you might not have thought much about, your digital estate. Now regular analog estate planning is a pretty established practice at this point people know how to plan for their house and their car and their 401k, but how about your PayPal or your online credit card bills? Today, we're going to shine a light on the questions that are arising around digital assets after you take your last breath. For instance, what's the best way to pass on 10,000 photos from a family vacation? Is a viral social media account worth anything after you die? And how can the endless stream of content we've posted be used to form a meaningful memorial? We'll be raising these questions and a bunch of others along the way. We can't promise any answers, but we'll try to suggest some approaches to even begin wrapping your mind around the vexing questions of digital legacy. But first, let's hear from someone who was forced to think about this only after it was too late.
1: My father was... He was a private man. You didn't know how much you know assets they had. He didn't share details about any of that aspect of his life.
0: That's Michelle Braddock. Her father passed away suddenly on her parents' 63rd wedding anniversary. He was 88 years old.
1: And when I say, you know, he died unexpectedly, it, it's kind of a strange thing to say for, about an 88-year-old person. But he didn't really have any health issues you know he wasn't in the hospital he hadn't been sick
0: and even though michelle's father was old he was in such good health that the family hadn't focused much on estate planning so as michelle and her sister and their newly widowed mother sat together in their home and waited for the coroner michelle had a thought
1: well i may as well go into his office and see if we can find a will and when i opened his drawer that that was probably the moment that i said oh We're going to have to deal with some of this stuff.
0: That decision to check the desk, it had come from something Michelle's dad told her 20 years earlier. If anything happens to me, everything you'll need to know is in that desk.
1: And that may have been true 20 years ago, (laughs) but, you know, a lot has changed in his life since then. So... We started digging through, you know, his his office in their home and his desk and his file cabinets, just looking for pieces of paper about insurance and bank accounts and, and everything we might need to know. Where's Where's a will? Are we even making choices that he wanted us to make? You know, we didn't know if there was a will or where it was.
0: She didn't find a will or a list of passwords for her father's online accounts. What Michelle did find was a ton of outdated files and a key for a safety deposit box. The only problem? The bank no longer existed. And that's when Michelle realised there was a lot of work to be done.
1: What you have to start with is, you know, the important things. Where's the money? Where's the will? Then kind of secondarily is is there a pension? Is there investment accounts? Is there, you know, what about social security? You know, are there veteran benefits? The next phase is, okay, what about the logistics? Mom, how are your bills paid? Do they come out of your accounts automatically? And I'm talking about daily living bills, you know, the the gas and electric, the newspaper, you know, your credit card bills, you know, all your whole financial piece. How is that all happening?
0: Michelle and her husband spent a good part of the next year trying to answer all these questions. Her mom couldn't help out too much because her father had taken care of all the financial matters in the home. So Michelle and her husband embarked on a journey to figure out the online accounts her father had. Then what were the passwords to all these accounts? then who had the legal rights to transfer the ownership of these accounts. And with all these questions, we're not talking about improving her newly widowed mother's life. We're talking about simply maintaining the status quo. It was emotionally and physically exhausting.
1: The term scavenger hunt is exactly what it becomes. And not the fun kind. It it becomes a putting a puzzle together, trying to find pieces that you really don't know what pieces are there. You know, so as you're going through this process, you know, we think we found everything. But ultimately, in the end, we don't know.
0: The crazy part is Michelle and her husband still don't know if they've tracked down all her father's accounts. And perhaps they'll never know. To help other people not get into their same situation, the Braddocks founded My Life and Wishes. It's sort of an all-inclusive place on the internet where you can upload your digital information and share it with family members. Michelle learned the hard way that even people well into their 80s conduct a significant amount of their business online. It seems funny to think about people in a senior home managing all their digital accounts the same way people on a college campus do. But digital estate planning is the new norm. It's the only way to think about estate planning, whatever age you may be. Here's the catch. The ABCs of digital estate planning can sound deceptively simple. Sure, you can make a list of your accounts and passwords. But as more of our lives migrate online, things are getting a lot more complex.
2: I first realized the importance of digital legacy when my friend told me a very simple story. He said, Evan, when my son was born a few years ago, I realized that all of the memories I captured of him were digital. But then my grandfather passed away, and I realized that the one thing that I wanted to keep to remember him by was the salt shaker from his table.
0: That's Evan Carroll. He's the author of the book, Your Digital Afterlife, an editor of the digitalbeyond.com. He knows that being an expert on the intersection of technology and death is sort of Well, unusual.
2: Talking about digital legacy is not something you want to bring up at a cocktail party. People kind of think you're a little strange when you say that you do work in this area.
0: Evan started off his career as a user experience designer and product manager. So he was thinking a lot about the way people interact with technology and the more he worked in the tech world, he began to realize just how much of our lives are tied up online.
2: You used to find family photos in a shoebox in a closet. And before they were printed out, they were on slide reels. And if we think about how we conduct the business of our lives, most of our bills used to come in the mail. We, we wrote these funny things called checks when we needed to pay someone. And we're not really doing that anymore.
0: All these facets of our lives – the personal, the business, the in-between – it can add up to a lot of different types of accounts, and it can get pretty overwhelming to even begin to take stock of it all. Luckily, Evan has divided up digital life into four neat categories.
2: The very first is our email – emails we've sent, emails we've received. The second category is all of the files we have on our computers and our devices – So everything on our computer, everything on our tablets, our mobile phones. And if you think about it, there's a lot of stuff there. Third are everything that we have on social media. So think about your Facebook account, your Twitter account, your LinkedIn account, any other types of accounts you might have, all the photos you've uploaded there, all of the videos you've uploaded there, everything you've written there. And finally, online business or anything that we might use to transact business or to make money online. You might think about your PayPal account, or maybe you sell things on eBay or Etsy. Perhaps you have various accounts that you log into to manage your airline miles, or even a website that you host.
0: Those four categories are helpful guidelines just to get a sense of what we may have out there. But with estate planning, you need to think about what has value, and what kind of value. Broadly speaking, there are two categories.
2: There's an emotional, sentimental type value, and then there's actual financial value. And many times when I'm speaking with attorneys, they're interested in the actual financial value. And it's easy to assume that everything we have digitally might only have sentimental value. Certainly, the, the photo that I posted of my great vacation probably isn't going to make someone money one day, but it might mean something to the people in the photo, or mean something to my family members or maybe future members of my family who might get to learn something about me from that photo.
0: Remember when I said there are two categories for value, financial and sentimental? Okay, scratch that. There's also this wide, hazy gray area, like your online accounts that may have both sentimental and financial value. One prime example of this, social media. Evan likes to tell the story of a pilot named Dan Ashback. After Ashback retired, he started posting his photography on Pinterest. Okay, I know an older, retired man isn't the usual demographic that comes to mind when you think of Pinterest, but run with it. Ashback acquired so many followers, he currently has over 1.6 million, that he began to get paid for promoting other people's photos. And it turned into something of a business.
2: In some months, he earns up to $10,000. For sharing and promoting pieces of content that people ask him to promote. So he's an online influencer. And if we put on our traditional estate planning glasses, we might look at a Pinterest account and say, mm, that doesn't have much value to anyone. The point of the story is that this Pinterest account has real financial value. And that's something we need to be thinking about.
0: But let's not get too carried away. Most people's social media accounts fall squarely in the sentimental value category. The photos we post on Instagram are, to be blunt, worthless to a stranger, but they may mean the world to our family and friends. So how do you pass down those photos? Turns out there's more to think about than just sharing a password. I like to call this the 100,000 photo problem.
2: I have exactly one photograph of my grandfather in his 20s. One photograph of him at that age. That photograph has immeasurable value to me. But if he had left me a pile of 100,000 photos, I probably would not have taken the time to dig through there and find those one or two that are really special. And so as we're thinking about our digital legacy and what we want to save and what we want to give to our heirs we should think about deleting a few things. We should think about curating our collections so that we only leave what's meaningful as opposed to leaving a huge burden of stuff for our family to deal with.
0: So the 100,000 photo problem is really about excess. With digital photography and high quality cameras attached to our phones, we're always snapping something. And when we die... Are we really going to leave 100,000 photos to our heirs? I mean, even the people who love us most don't really want all those bad selfies from your blue hair phase. But here's a different way to think about it. The 100,000 photo problem is actually an opportunity to shape our digital afterlives while we're still here on Earth.
2: So it used to be that only the rich, the famous or the powerful would be remembered beyond their time. So let's think about the, the Great Pyramids of Giza. We obviously remember the the pharaohs who had them built because of their, their power, because of their fame, right? However, let's think about everyday individuals. We might have a simple gravestone, like my grandfather's, which simply has his name as the year he was born when he died. I believe we've reached a time where we don't have to— reduce everyone's life down to a few words on a piece of stone, we can actually save some photos of them, some videos of them, some things they've written, some things they've said. And if you think about our digital photos, by choosing to preserve certain ones of them, by being ruthless in which ones we keep, we are able to build out our legacy. We're able to, to specifically pick what things we want people to Hold on to.
0: So the opportunity is curation. Your family doesn't have to remember you by the endless stream of not so great selfies. Instead, they can remember you from the times you choose. But let's take a moment here and acknowledge that we haven't totally figured out what this future is going to look like. Adults having the ability to curate the memories people have of them is frankly a little weird. And what's going to happen to people who don't have that kind of control yet, like little kids growing up in the digital age whose parents are snapping thousands of photos of them and then posting those photos online? Even just trying to wrap your head around that question is mind-blowing. And it's also uncharted territory.
2: I would say that older people right now, the things that we might have digitally about them might have been created for them or might have been an obituary or something very simple versus people who are very young right now, it's possible that their entire life might be documented online. And wouldn't that be a very fascinating thing for their family to be able to go and look back at in 100 years and understand who their great-great-great-great-grandmother was all the way from birth until the day she passed away?
3: I think what's scary about digital assets is that they're out there potentially forever. I think without proper planning, I mean, there's many assets that – people wouldn't even know are out there. And your online presence can live on forever online, even beyond your own lifetime. And I think that 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 can be scary.
0: That's Beth Smith, an executive director at Morgan Stanley Wealth Management. She helps educate clients about all the issues around digital estate planning. Working in Silicon Valley, Beth has a lot of clients ask her about their digital estates. And like the rest of Silicon Valley, the field is rapidly changing.
3: I think digital estate planning is so new that we don't fully understand where the complexities and and the nuances and perhaps where the arguments might be coming from. I think that digital assets are easier to replicate in general. So perhaps that age-old conversation of fighting over grandma's gooseneck lamp may go away because now we can make two of them.
0: But not all digital assets can be replicated, especially the financial ones. Beth's big rule is all about communication. Let your heirs know what you have and how to get to it. For some clients, there are literally millions of dollars
3: on the line. A client came to me and she was handling the estate of her deceased aunt. In the old days, or traditionally, we would wait uh, until the end of the year and most clients would receive a paper statement for all of their financial assets and it would be easy to identify where all those assets were. In this case, she waited till the end of the year and didn't receive a whole bunch of annual statements and in fact only received one and she knew that her aunt had a large account out there. So it took some digging, um, some conversations with other family members where she finally did find this other account that had a couple million dollars in it.
0: That client got lucky. She was eventually able to find the money her aunt had left for her. But digital assets can also exist in a paradoxical space. Sure, they exist forever. But if you don't know about them, it's like they don't exist at all.
3: If I gave anyone one piece of advice for planning their digital state, I would say make a list of your accounts and passwords and understand what you own. For example, a client could own Bitcoin and it could have tremendous monetary value. But if that client didn't share that they owned Bitcoin or had an account out there, the beneficiaries would never find it.
2: It's possible that we might be living in a digital dark age. The period of time in our digital lives where we'd figured out how to create digital things, but we haven't really figured out how to save and hold on to digital things very well.
0: So if we're living in a digital dark age, what does our age of enlightenment look like? Whether it means figuring out how to curate our digital property when we're still alive, or pass it on once we're gone, we're still working it out. One thing's for sure, making a list of your accounts and passwords is just the start. Thanks for listening to the Morgan Stanley Ideas Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the research discussed in this podcast and listen to previous episodes, you can check out morganstanley.com slash ideas or Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you get your podcasts. I'm Ashley Tite. See you next time.